everything I do turns into a disaster. Let him have it, Chris. 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 Press a button. You're listening to Aerial View, worldwide on the internet. No tricks like this. What's gonna happen? Come on, you know better than that. How you all doing? All right. This. What kind of radio show is this? I heard his voice on the tape, and it really put the hook in me. I broadcast many, many times on both the fight program and the home service. I'm sick of talking. You get the I know how to talk to people. Carries a serious responsibility. Come on, baby. Show the man your power, baby. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! Oh, man. Showtime! Don't you smile and blow me a kiss for this one. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. Very auspicious beginning. Sure, the talk show. You know, people phone in and make a beef. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to bite you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets them straight. I've got some bad news, folks. Christmas is going to be canceled. Deck the halls. I can't wait for goddamn Christmas. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. We all know that Christmas is a big commercial racket. It's run by a big Eastern syndicate, you know. Hey, it's me, Chris T, back with a live aerial view. Gee whiz, when was the last time I was here doing live radio? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. October, I think, was the last live show. It's been difficult, if not impossible, to do live shows on Fridays for a while now. Because uh, I was in the position of having to close my store. The business I opened last year, Black Friday, 
that cave up there in Saugerties, New York, is no more. Save It's gone. Too bad for you if you missed it. You didn't get up there. But thanks to all of you who did, who actually did get up there. I appreciate that. I do not yet know if the store will reemerge in some form or another, perhaps further south. Stay tuned, as they say. I have not made up my mind on that yet. I'm uh, doing a lot of thinking on it. I'm thinking of doing a a retreat, uh, just full silence for like a month. Just ponder my future and what I should be doing with myself. Because uh, whereas I liked having a store, there were lots of times I hated it. Be honest with you. Some of you people, you really need to learn how to act in a retail setting. I'm just saying. Got to learn sometimes to keep your trap shut. You don't have to say everything that comes into your mind when you're shopping. I'm just saying. Now, I had an antique store. Antiques, gifts, guitars, hi-fi, vintage vinyl. That's what it said on the sign, the hand-painted sign out front. So I was selling old shit to people. Some people like old shit, other people don't. And the the fatal flaw with this arrangement that I had with my cousin, who's now dead to me, by the way, just saying, is that uh, I would take the space downstairs in this uh, retail space there in in Saugerties and uh, never realizing what it would mean to be at the bottom of a set of a circular stairs, a spiral staircase, and that there would be these rubes from all over coming in off the farm, bumpkins who had never seen a spiral staircase, didn't know what to make of it. I remember one time I was in Manhattan. It was either the Time Life building or the McGraw-Hill building. And there was a woman there uh, in a sari, Indian woman, who was transfixed at the top of an escalator. Did not know what to do. Never seen an escalator, didn't know what to do. Until her husband came along and showed her, this is how you step on an escalator. And that's what these people reminded me of. These people would stop at the top of the spiral staircase and say to my cousin what's down there what's down there i finally made a sign big cardboard stand up of uh princess leia and luke from star wars and there was a word bubble and leia was saying hey luke what's down there and then another word bubble from uh, luke's mouth and it said all the shit that i sold listed all the stuff probably 12 items on there, a dozen items easily. And people would still stand there. What's down there? I don't know. Should I go down there? I don't know. I don't know about these stairs. Oh, I don't know about these stairs. And then uh, sometimes they would descend into my lair. They would come down the stairs and then they would always stop at the bottom of the stairs and make comments on the stupid stairs. I don't know. I don't know about these stairs. I got dizzy. Dear God. A lot of people would make the rounds of my store and they would leave as fast as they came. Man, they would be out of there like a shot. They would just walk around a little bit, decide it wasn't for them and get the hell out gone in 60 seconds and then other people would stay and they would dig and it led to my eventual slogan this shop rewards digging because you'd have to dig you'd have to look at the stuff you'd have to dig into it to find the gems and there were a lot of gems in there I have good taste, motherfucker. But maybe I was too good at it. Maybe I was too successful at it. Because eventually it was like, I can't have this. I can't have another shop downstairs. 
from me. It's impacting my income. You know, here I thought I'd be there three years or more because it was a three-year lease, except I wasn't on the lease, hence the problem, hence being kicked out. I consulted a lawyer friend at the time, and he said, yeah, what if you want to leave before three years? Then what do you do? You're on, you're on the lease. You're stuck there. And I, th- I said, said to myself, you know what? He's right. What if this sucks? And then a year went by like that. Like that. A shitty year, by the way. 2021, a shitty fucking year. Ending on a shitty fucking note. Welcome to the Christmas in Hell edition of Aerial View. My special guest tonight, Heath Cartel. I've renamed him just for this one program. It's actually... Shh, don't tell anybody. It's really Keith Hartel. We'll be talking to him in just a few minutes. I'm not through ranting quite yet. It's been a while since I've been able to rant. So allow me to to stretch out for a bit. So... People would come into this store of mine, and some of them would find stuff that they liked, and they would buy it. But other people just made the same comments over and over again. And what was odd about it is that my father, many years ago in the 90s, sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, something like that, I know I had recently moved to, uh, to, to New Jersey, which was 1986. And sometime after that, my dad, Mario Sackis, decided... He was going to open an antique store in uh, Great Barrington with the inspired name of Memories. Right there on the main drag. It was big, too. It had a lot of square footage in this place. And my dad prided himself on everything that he sold in the store worked. Whether it was a radio or a phonograph or whatever it was, he spent a long time back on the workbench making sure it worked. He didn't want to put out stuff that was essentially just parts. And here I am all these years later, I'm, I'm, I'm replicating this somehow, this weird replicated thing of his. I'm back in the workbench in my store until 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night trying to get vintage Gerard or Gerard or however the fuck you pronounce it, turntables to work. Not turntables. These don't rise to the level of turntables. These are fucking record players is what they are, trying to get the automatic record changer to work because a friend of mine said, you know, I would love to play... Some 45, just have them drop. You know those old record changers? And I said, yeah. Sure. Hours and hours trying to rebuild this fucking thing. Like a moron. Like a doot-doo-doo. I'm not even sure what a doot-doo-doo is. Terrial view here on the houndmyc.com where Sundays you got hound howls at 3 p.m. Eastern followed by crashing the party doo-wop chop shop of the air with Mark. And Miriam at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. This show, Fridays at 6 p.m. when it's live. Oh, boy, isn't that something. That means I can give out a phone number. 760-I-CALL-AV. 760-422-5528 is the number here. That number is in Palm Springs. I am not. Here in the Hawk. Lovely Weehawken, New Jersey. Where the helicopters like to fly. Constantly. Endlessly. We are in the flight path of some rich fucks. I'll tell you that right now. They fly overhead to the uh, west side of Manhattan down there where the helipads are. Is it helipad or helipad? Is it Gerard or Gerard? Someday I should just do a pronunciation show. Fuck it. But these customers would come into the store and say the same things over and over again. And I remember my father telling me these things. My father saying, because I don't know if my father should have ever been in retail. He just didn't really have the patience for people. And his wife was just suspicious of everybody, thought everybody was shoplifting all the time. They actually had a sign on their counter. You could not get away with this nowadays, ladies and gentlemen. The sign said, unattended children will be sold into white slavery. I remember it as if it was yesterday. December 23rd, the day that Van Gogh... Is it Van Gogh or Van Gogh? 
How do you pronounce that? 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. If you want to help with my pronunciations. My pronunciations. And he would, uh, he would repeat these things to me that they would say over and over again. They would walk in the store and they would see some old piece of shit and they'd go, Oh, I had one of those when I was a kid. I mean, that's pretty vanilla. But then the other things that you would hear, that I would hear, that my father would hear. Oh, this looks like my grandfather's basement in here. Look at this. That was always a good one. Oh, the fa- my, one of my favorites was, oh my God, I threw out one better than this. Is it really worth that much? And I would come up with my stock responses to this stuff. I'd be like, hey, maybe that's it. Maybe that's yours. Maybe that's the one from your childhood. You know what? You could buy it back now. But the people who would say, oh, man, there's so much cool stuff down here. You know what? It's all for sale. Take some of it home with you. Oh, dear God. I don't know what it is about me that makes it difficult to uh, just just suck it up. Suck it up, fella. Like a vacuum cleaner. Let's get Keith Hartel in here. It's probably just putting down the bong, so we have to give him a moment. There he is. Hello. Were you just putting down the bong? Is that what took so long? Uh, honestly, no. Okay. I was just, you know, I, you know how it is with these gadgets. Sometimes, fucking gadgets. I know. To answer the thing, and I know, I feel it. I hear you. I was just ranting and raving anyway. I I heard you, man. I heard. Yeah. People, people can be weird in stores. You know, um, I'm gonna wrap up that whole uh, thought by saying this: if you go into a store. Uh, if, if the plague ever ends, if we ever exit the pandemic phase and enter the endemic phase, if there's not any more, uh, Greek letters coming down the pike, you know, which one they wouldn't use? Was it Greek or Latin? I I always forget. Is Omicron Greek or Latin? It's, 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 it's Greek and they wouldn't use what? Was it T? Yeah. Yeah. Because of the president of China that looks like apparently like Winnie the Pooh. Wait, am I going to be I, murdered now for saying I that? mean, I, well, I just think it's funny because... Um, because you, you think know, most like, things are funny? Be on, what's that? Because you think most things are funny? Is that why you think it's funny? No, I just think it's like, you know, people will go on television and say, you know, they'll, they'll say some pretty heavy things about China, you know? Like, like, like there's a, we don't always talk really nice about China, so like that little like, oh, we don't want to upset them by these, this coincidence... Like, we yeah. don't want to provoke them. It's like, I, it, I just feel like we talk a lot of shit about China. I think that that's funny that that little, which it's, it's not even, and it's not, it's, it's perfectly innocent. That's what's funny about it. You know. it. It may be, but still, it's best not to uh, poke the bear. They used to say that, you know, like Russia poking the bear, but uh, this is, you know, Winnie the Pooh bear, because he has been like, compared like, uh, in appearance to Winnie the Pooh, but... I think if you do that and you're Chinese, they will spirit you away and no one will ever see you again. Oh, yeah. Well, there it's true. But like now, now on our end of it, too, it's like because China's the whole thing where what we think they, they disappeared, that that uh, tennis player that got raped by some you know, high ranking government officials. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, well, mm-hmm. that's the thing that in America mm-hmm. we're saying, mm-hmm. like, hey, um, don't rape your tennis stars and we're not going to go to your country unless you show that she exists. But right. we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings because this Greek letter happens to be the same name. That there's a it's this is there's a disconnect for me. Can I? Uh, there isn't for me, and I'll tell you why. I, I think I know why. There's there's no disconnect for me, which is that he is apparently a very sensitive person about that kind of shit. So there's a difference between what the government of China does, namely covering up, you know, rape. And and uh, disappearing people, and then what the uh, president or premier or uh, what is he for life chairman for life of the Communist Party, what he thinks personally about uh, people making fun of him, and who knows? It, obviously, it, no one would want to have a variant named after them. What if they came along and said, "This is the Hartel variant"? Would you be happy about that, or how would you feel? 
I, I would I, be happy about. Oh, that. actually, I would be happy about that too. It, yeah, it'd be hmm. like it, you know, it'd be like it's it's. I, I always hmm. want to be kind of a rebel, Chris. You know, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. But I'm uh, against the grain, man. I'm you know, I'm always talking shit. I'm always being on the devil's advocate. I hear that. I would, By the way, I would, I've dubbed you Heath Cartel for tonight's show. How do you feel about that? See, that's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about, man. Heath Cartel. I, I, Anyway, it goes. You know, yeah. As I, I mentioned on uh, Facebook, yeah, yeah. You, this is not the first time that anyone has uh, ever uh, came up with that. Heath Cartel. Heath Cartel. I, jeez, you know, it's, it sucks when you're told that it's not an original thought. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. It's not Pretty an original much, thought. If, it's if, not if an original name, thought. It's so, not. Someone will switch them letters around at some point. I know. I thought I was being clever, but I was just being a. You know, uninspired. Hacky, well, I guess. It's, it's a well, hacky you know, thing. Parallel thinking. What are you going to do? Sometimes you're hacky. Sometimes you're not. Keith Artell is here. We haven't talked in, uh, I don't even know how long it's been because I haven't done a live show since October because as I was explaining earlier, I was closing down my store and uh, it's been that kind of year. I opened a store uh, in November of 2020. And then in January of 2021, I had foot surgery. Uh, the store was closed for quite a while, not only because of my foot surgery, but because there was a COVID spike and people weren't going into retail shops, kind of like now with the Omicron and then reopened in April. And now are, as of December 13th, the place is closed and gone. Goodbye. That cave. It's been that kind of year. And then uh, we uh, we decided we were going to throw a holiday party because we haven't had one since 2019. We didn't do one in 2020. And we thought we'd revive our holiday party. We decorated the whole house and invited all these people over and bought all this beer and liquor and wine. And we ordered three different platters from the caterer. And then Sweet Tea broke her leg. And uh, she's fine, by the way. Fractured tibia. It's going to heal on its own. The best outcome you could have, really. And uh, it's going to take some time, but it'll be okay. But we were still going to have the party. I remember the day after it happened. Do you still want to have the party? Sure, let's have the party. Maybe it'll lift our spirits. And then fucking Omicron came along. And goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Solstice Stomp Party. Oh, it would have been so much fun. I know you couldn't make it. You wouldn't have been there. But you'd now... See, you didn't miss it because it was canceled. Yeah. So there you go. And, and now, it's also funny, as I mentioned, the thing that I was supposed to do got canceled anyway, too. Yeah, everything, anybody who had sense canceled the gatherings they were going to have because it's probably not a good time right now to gather and spread things around. I am back to basically being a hermit, staying home, not really going anywhere until I go back to Socrates on Monday to pull more shit out of that store and try to close it down. So that's uh, what life is going to be like for the next month or so, just trying to extract myself from all of that. And isn't that something? Let's get caught up with Keith Artell. So what has life been like for you lately? It's strange here. Like um, uh, false false starts kind of like it it seems like – it's like trying to get up on water skis, you know, as a culture, as a society. Like, like, you know, getting up, like, you know, so, you know, like limited gigs, like I'm back at work, but I'm only physically in the store one day a week. There's still a lot of Zoom lessons. It's like... Uh, yeah, for I, people I mean, who don't know, we should tell them that uh, Keith is a professional musician and he uh, also teaches guitar at the guitar bar there in Hoboken, New Jersey. And one day a week down from what? How many days a week were you doing? Oh, it was three days. Um, three. It was three days a week. And now it's it's still the other two days, but they're virtual because over, you know, um, the plague, everything was all virtual. And then, you know, basically, you know, he reopened with limited, um, just limiting who could be in the store, like, like, it's not like walk through, but you can come and buy stuff. And then instead of up to four lessons at a time, it's like two lessons at a time. So yeah, the last few times I've gone, I couldn't go inside. There's a yeah. uh, service at the door kind of thing going on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Roadside assistance. Interesting. Curbside, curbside. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I uh, I am a uh, I, I'm a customer, and I would never walk in there and say you got a lot of cool stuff, man. Without, uh, you without know, buying you, something, it's funny because I I mean out of out of any t- I haven't spent a whole lot of time working in stores, but I've worked in a few stores. You know, I've been behind the register at a few stores, and there is there's no one as weird as people that come into guitar stores. They're the weirdest fucking people, and they're really weird. Because there's a lot of different ways that they're weird. Oh, let's uh, drill down on that for just a second, because I had at any given time four or five guitars in my store, like four electric guitars uh, and acoustic guitars. I, I did sell a 12 string guitar that I picked up at the Meadowlands flea market. Um, it was a very well made 12 string. I forget what brand it was, but it was from the 1960s, probably made in Japan. It was a copy of a Gibson or something. And it had a really great neck on it, an actual Rosewood fretboard. The, the frets were in great shape. There was nothing wrong with the neck. It, it really sounded good. I mean, I was really this close to keeping it because I think I paid like 90 bucks for this guitar with the case. And uh, I got over $300 for it. A guy came in and played it, and, and he loved it. And I said goodbye to it. And then a few weeks later, he came back and bought it. And it was fantastic. It was such a great thing. Because I got this guy a quality instrument at a reasonable price, and I made a few bucks on it. And I was happy about that. I mean, I put time into it, Keith, cleaning it up. Yeah. I, I cleaned the yeah. thing up. There was a layer of dirt on it like you wouldn't believe. And I was out in the garage with the naphtha, getting the dirt off, and then using bore oil on the fretboard and, and some orange oil on the body and making it look good and smell good, whole damn thing. Put a strap on it. And, uh, you know, there you go. But the, these other dudes would walk in and they would see the guitars and the things that would come out of their mouth. The first thing they would do, Keith, is they would tell you about everything that they owned, you know, yes. and, and you'd yes. be like, Big I don't thing with them people. Yeah, I own a, I've got a Gibson LP studio from the 1980s. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's that kind of thing. I'd be like, all right. Uh, uh, and uh, I got a Fender Bullet Strat uh, and uh, I got a PV. And I'm like, okay, that's, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Why don't you buy one of these here guitars? How about that? Uh, and, and then dudes would pull the guitars down and play them. Obviously, they'd always be that. And one guy was really good. He came in and he was really good. And yeah. uh, it turned out he was like a professional. I started talking to him and he had, he really loved this SG that I put together, and he was this close to buying it. Except it was a case of like the wife was there, and he didn't uh, dare. He didn't dare make an impulse purchase over a thousand dollars, you know. And them wives, you know, every once in a while, kind of shit, they're know, always giving you the old hairy eyeball when you're gonna about to spend twelve hundred dollars at a moment's That's... notice. Yeah, it's uh, anyway. So what would they say to you? Now I'm curious what kind of things you uh, you remember people saying. You know, it's 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 not even the specific. I don't. It's not so much so much the specific things that they would say, but like, um, it it's like you could tell. A lot of times people would come in, and you could tell that they kind of had gotten themselves psyched up to like go into the guitar store. And ask some sort of a question that would be like an interaction of like, I would like to know some information about this. Like, like there was a, this, uh-huh. there's that, that a very common thing I always thought was, was strange. And then the other thing is just the thing that you're talking about, which is just like, I, I, it's, it's, it's so universal. I guess there's some reason that makes them think that they're just like, you know, they're talking to you. You know what it's like? It's like, you know how like, um, you know, female bartenders will be hot, and but they're nice to everyone. You know, because yes. tips and you know it's their job. But like, then the guy starts to like the hot bartender too much because she's nice to him, right? Which is always a problem. And, and he's an and, incel, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not even in this case. I'm not even going to label those guys incels. Sometimes okay. it's just the poor guy that this, the chicks aren't nice to him that much. He doesn't right. know what yeah. it is. Ladies, by um, the way, if you're listening, female bartenders, don't be nice to people anymore, okay? Just stop doing that. You don't have to be nice. I just want booze when I'm at the bar. Sorry. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You were saying. But but there's something like like when you're talking to these, like, um, you know, the guitar customer comes in, and it's just like, of course, you know, you're going to be very solicitous, like, hey, what are you looking for? What are you interested in? I really want to know because I want to help you. I'm your friend. 
And they really think like, you know, well, this is a guy that would find the history of all the instruments I've owned. He'd be very interested in this, clearly. Yes. And and that's and, and that's how it happened. And then the other thing that's really weird is um, like when you're talking about how people come and try the instruments out. I the guitar bar is this weird. I mean, you know how it's set up like it's kind of like a narrow, long hall. Yeah, it's kind of narrow and long for having a lot of people bunched in. Yeah. But you have the area right in the middle of the store, which is where people start sitting on a stool and they try out a guitar or they're trying an effect or the amp or all three at the same time, most likely. And like there's this a, a very common kind of thing where there's be someone like aggressively mediocre playing like some song that they know like sublime or some shit or like, you know, yes. like a, like a crappy guns and roses and it like really like brutally amateur sounding, but they think they really are playing it. And then it's sort of like, they're not really they're, they're, they're Let's just say that they're glad to be taking up space. Like, like in other words, when you walk past them, they act kind of like, like you're the ass, like you're putting them out, you know, cause they're the customer, and, you know, they're right. And, and, and they're, so there's this like, um, it's like an unspoken like war of wills between these people and um, uh, we, the, the workers of the store. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like it either. Uh, did you ever have any of these dudes uh, ask if you wanted to jam? Because that happened to me a couple of times. Um, no, well, I mean, no, but I mean, part of it is, I, you know, mostly I've only, I'm only teaching. And uh, I definitely have been offered uh, to join some dude's cover band. Uh, well, but... I, I'm I'm talking about when you were behind the the register, not in your capacity as a teacher. Because yeah, yeah, a couple of times it happened to me. These guys would be like, "Hey, if you ever want to jam," and I'm, in my head I'd be thinking, "I never want to jam." No. <laughs> yeah, no, I never got that. But it might that might have something to do with like you know location it's like either these guys have bros that they're jamming with or they right. really want to be in real bands. yeah i was up in the catskills so there you go that explains that this is the christmas in hell edition we're halfway through it already aerial view i can't believe how quickly it's going heath cartel aka keith cartel is here with me uh keith and i we we've known each other since the 1980s i believe i think it goes back yeah. that far and it's been yeah, a minute we, uh we met in the 1980s we met in the 1980s. You may have uh, been playing bass in Adrenaline Overdose at the time, I believe. that We might have met probably the at WFMU. Time, the first, where the I met first everybody. time I ever met you, it was actually before that even. Jesus. Uh, I remember the first time I met you because I went to see, this, and this is probably 86, um, went with like a Paul and andy maybe doug like you know please youth the please youth guys and and we just ran into you at the show and you know they were just acquainted with you from you know the scene the hardcore new york hardcore scene i was on the scene sure you were on the scene yeah so they were like hey and you know so that that was the first time i ever met you and then uh you know kind of you know around there's the skip henderson connection yes yeah, skip uh, henderson wow that's a name i haven't heard in a long time jesus where is skip henderson these days Holy he's, moly. He's in um, Clarksdale, Mississippi. Oh, that's the last place I heard he was. He's still in Clarksdale, Mississippi? Skip I, Henderson. No, no, what? You know what? No, that's I'm, I'm so stupid. No, no, he's in New Orleans. That's oh, New Orleans. Okay, Where? right, yeah. He was going to go to Clarksdale, Mississippi and open up a blues museum venue thing. And, you know, Delta Blues. He was a big guitar guy, yeah. big guitar dealer. Skip uh, really had a good line of shit. He could sell people anything. He you know could sell guitars. That, yeah. Well, just, what happened? Oh no. Because what he did was he bought like because it was this old like um, train station. Yeah. That's out of commission, and so he worked to have it refurbished. Had made arrangements to have it refurbished and make it a blues loop museum, and then just basically the local government just took it from him. Like you know he got he got paid out, but um, it was just like they you know the the, the real people swooped in like once he kind of got it going like this is going to be real. Yeah. Um, got it but well he was just a northern carpet bagger that's you know please they couldn't have that yes yeah this guy's showing up from up north in our town no not gonna happen 
Well, it's good to hear that he's still around and doing his thing, and thank you for that. A little bit of an update on uh, a guy who was one of the main, um, one of the main planners and originators of uh, the New York Guitar Festival, which went on for a few years there, and was always a good time. Go down there That's and right. look at vintage instruments that are now probably selling for ten to twenty to thirty times as much as they were back then, and we all thought back then they were expensive so that yeah. was always a good time but uh I, I called this show the christmas in hell edition i listed some of the reasons why i'm having a christmas in hell you know having to still drive back and forth to saugerties to close down this store that i didn't want to close down and uh sweet tea's broken leg broken tibia fractured tibia and uh, the cancellation of this party that we busted our asses. I left out the part where I seriously messed up. I somehow messed up my sh right shoulder blade, dislocated it, and did something to my neck as well to the point where I was at the chiropractor getting readjusted because I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't even think. The pain was so bad. And then I get home and I call about my next appointment at the chiropractor and they tell me, there may not be one because he uh, unwittingly was exposed to COVID. Oh and and uh, they told me basically I should uh, wait two or three days and see if I develop any symptoms and then take a test. And I only found out on Wednesday that uh, the chiropractor tested negative after he spent the day with his grandson who had the Omicron probably. So dodged a bullet on that. But I feel like eventually we're all going to get it is what's going to happen. And, yeah. uh, you know, your hope is that you don't die or end up hospitalized or permanently losing your sense of smell and taste. Why is it Christmas in hell for you, Keith? Let's spend a moment seeing it. Oh. By the way, are you having Christmas in hell or is it uh, is it pretty good? It's pretty good because I, to me, like Christmas always was hell. So I don't do Christmas stuff. And I married a Jewish woman, so I don't have to do Christmas. So that's great. Um, but by the for, way, did but, you did you set out to marry a Jewish woman so you wouldn't have to celebrate Christmas or any other Christian holidays, or was it did, yeah, was it that, just happenstance? Yeah, that was that was that was my plan. <laughs> you know, and then that was like the number one. Priority. I do remember when I met you. I I do remember when I met you. And I don't. I it only makes sense now. But I remember you saying to me, "I have to find a Jewess to marry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and at the time, I was like, "What?" What? Yeah. But now it makes it makes perfect sense. Have my reasons, yeah. So why was Christmas always hellish for you? Was it your family? Were your family like just a bunch of dicks at the holidays, or what? You know, in a word, yeah. And it's like, um, you know, a lot of it is 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 that you know, um, you know, it it started when my family broke up, and then you had like you had two Christmases, but then. My father's new family broke up, so then his Christmas. You'd have three Christmases. Well, no, but he does the two in the same time at the same house. It's just like, oh, this is so fucked up. Fucked like, up. I, I mean, Did he have well, kids I, with these other families? By the way, like, were there other? Do you have stepbrothers and stepsisters? I have stepsisters. Yeah. Wow, um, that's but freaky. Then, but, yeah, well, it, I mean, that was that was um, it, it was sad to because it's just kind of like you know you get that like. You know, they're around the, my, the age I was when my parents broke up, and it's just like, yeah, you doing this again, you asshole. <laughs> like, I know. But, At least my father never pulled that shit. Kudos to him. Nor my, did my mother. I guess my mother could have had more kids, but, you know, five was plenty as far as she was concerned. But I had one of those weird Christmases where, you know, my father was living out of the house up in Scarsdale. He, yeah. I don't know if they were just separated or if they had, you know, the divorce had gone through, and he came back. For Christmas, and he came back looking trim and fit in his nice tweed jacket with his turtleneck and the salt and pepper hair, and looked great. And he was driving like a '66 Mustang at the time, and you know he was really that. It was like single dad, you know, single dad coming back and doing <laughs> Christmas. And it may have been that my mother's boyfriend Justin was also there, so they were both there, you know, the boyfriend. Yeah. And the dad. And it was really fucking weird. It was just a very weird... Yeah, I I have some fond memories of Christmas time, but they mo they're mostly about the sights and sounds and not supernatural Jesus uh, born of virgin birth, you know? Not that part. Yeah. But the yeah. part where you, there's lots of lights 
and sounds and smells, you know, the uh, the yeah. tactile Christmas, I guess. Well, I liked it when I was like a kid. Yeah, you're not a kid anymore, man. I'll tell you that. Oh, not a kid I anymore. Sure you know who's not kids anymore either? Who? The Beatles. There's only two left. A uh, little bit of Beatles trivia for you, because now we're going to talk about Get Back, the Peter Jackson documentary. And if any of you are uh, Beatle bashers, call 760-422-5528, and you can bash the Beatles. Beatles boosters as well. Call 760-I-CALL-AV. They're old now. They're really old. Ringo has got to be 80 by now, right? Because he was... He's, I believe it's 81 or 82, but I Holy just looked at it. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah, That's... but he's a few years older than Paul. Right. Was I was going to ask you some tri- trivia. Who's the oldest Beatle? It was Ringo. It was so Ringo. Ringo. Who's the youngest Beatle? It was Beatle? always Ringo. And then uh, George Harrison's the youngest. George Harrison's the youngest second. Beatle. Uh, Richard yeah. Starkey is 81 years old. Born on the 7th of July, 1940. Born before the goddamn war. Uh, so... The uh, Peter Jackson Get Back documentary drops on Thanksgiving Day. To me, a bright spot during a pretty shitty time because I get to go into the world of the Beatles 1969. Yeah. And that's a world that I would much rather be in than this fucking one. This one. This one 2021 where there's there's two Beatles left. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and... And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to get to immerse in this world for eight hours. I'm going to get to see the Beatles. They're in Twickingham studio with this fucking Michael Lindsay hog walking around with a cigar every three seconds, chain smoking cigars. And they're trying to make a film of this album that they're going to put together. And they're going to they're going to they're going to write 14 songs in a month's time because they have a month in Twickingham studios before they have to turn it over to the production of the Magic Christian in which Ringo Starr stars with Peter Sellers. So the thought is we can we've renting we're renting this studio. We have access to it. We might as well get the Beatles in there. By the way, who was the guy that was making uh, the Magic Christian was it Derek Taylor or somebody who worked for the Beatles uh, was the I, reason why they were able to do the, any of this. I don't remember who the director was of um Magic Christian. Uh, it was it, it was a it was one of the Apple guys who was a producer on the film, and that's why they had access to Twickingham. It doesn't matter. The point is, they had this thing covered from every conceivable angle. They had all these cameras. They had beautiful Nagra stereo tape recorders. They had Neumann microphones. They had the best of the best of the time because you're the fucking Beatles. Of course, you're going to have the best of the best to do all of this with. You're not, what are you going to go half-ass this thing? You're not going down to Radio Shack and buying microphones, right? So now this footage, 60 hours of it, sits in vaults for years. And I saw a crappy VHS copy of Let It Be many, many years ago. I mean, it was bad. It was, it looked bad. The sound was hard. So now you get to see 60 hours of the Beatles in, you know, their final stand, if you will. You get to see them at the end of the thing because... This is the end. The end is rapidly approaching for them. The end of the band. And so you get to spend some time with them. And I I have to tell you, it's going to sound corny, Keith Hartel, but I took great comfort and joy in that thing. And that's what the holidays are supposed to be about. I sat there and I immersed in that thing. And I I listened with my headphones so I could hear everything. And I was I was taken away. For, For eight hours, I was taken out of this fucking dystopian nightmare that we live in now ever since Donald Trump came down that escalator and things really got shitty. They got shitty before that. I'm not going to lay it all at his feet, but they got really shitty and they're really shitty now because now it looks like American democracy, just saying, it's on life support. So don't be surprised when there is no more American democracy. Don't be that surprised about it. But meanwhile, I can go to, to London, to Savile Row in London, 1969 and I could see the Jaguar XKEs and the little Morris Miners running around and George's Rolls Royce and John's Rolls Royce and I don't know what the fuck Paul was driving or Ringo for that matter but uh, you could do a whole dissertation on the cars in Get Back Alone but uh, Keith I want to know what it meant to you to sit there and immerse yourself for eight hours 
in uh, Beatles circa 1969? Well, I'll tell you, um, because like I started reading Beatles books, uh, you know, in 1980, like literally that was the Peter Brown one. And, and you know that they keep on, they kept, you know, writing the new definitive Beatles biography keeps coming out. And McCartney's book he did with Barry Miles. And it's like, so you have the Let It Be, which, you know, I saw a bootleg of that at some point. So you have Let It Be, the movie in your head. Um, you got the record. And then you, you hear the story. And if you keep on reading all these books, you keep on hearing the same story. And you see those pictures, the pictures they actually show Linda McCartney taking in, in, the, in the studio. So to me, it was like the way that I described it was it was like if you woke up from a dream that like, you know, you definitely remember the dream, but you don't remember all the details. But then it's just on TV and you're just watching it because like it's like it feels like something that was like living in my head and living in our head co collectively. You know, everyone that's absorbed all the minutia, uh, you know, all the all the mythology, all the legends, all, you know, the, all the stories. Right. It, it's like you felt like it, it was I thought it was there's something uncanny about it because it's like, no, this is really it. Like, this is the real thing. Um. It's, I think it's incredible that it exists because, it, well, here's, here's, I mean, there's two things in the movie that are just like obvious. I, I mean, obviously, uh, watching McCartney just really catch the idea for Get Back, it's, it's what is another, what else was ever filmed that is like that level of like that, watching That moment of creation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the, the, I can't think I'm hard-pressed to think of another example of that. I really am. I'm hard pressed to yeah. think of it. It's uh, it was a spectacular moment, and it's just because they were just taping everything. And then the other thing is that I thought was really uh, kind of fascinating to see is since it was so disorganized, and you know McCartney's frustrated, and Lennon's disengaged, and I know George on, is on heroin, disengaged, and on heroin. Maybe that's why yeah. he's disengaged. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely, of yeah. course. But like, but there's a thing where like you. Every time, you know, once they're all just focused on the same thing, and let's say if it's when they're working on Get Back or I Dig a Pony or whatever, but like, you know, no one's playing like anything, no one is playing or singing anything spectacular on its own self. Yes. But you, you could see that Beatles thing just kick in as soon as they're all on the same page, and it's, it's, it's totally intangible. But that's another thing that I think that the movie shows you that's new is like, you get to see them as people and not functioning as Beatles. And then you get to see when Beatles happens and it's so powerful. Um, it is interesting. And the, the other, some of the things that stood out for me along the lines of what you're saying, by the way, is the, uh, the way that you could clearly see what everyone was contributing, you know, because it was right yeah. there. And, and if you didn't know that, that um, John was playing those parts on uh, I dig a pony, you know, you might have thought that was George, but George was essentially playing rhythm on that song, and that was John's thing that was going on there. And moments like that where you could clearly see that's what Ringo brought to the party, and that's what George brought to the party, and John and Paul, and together it was uh, always a case of the the sum of the parts being greater. So how does that go? The sum of the whole being greater than the parts, that kind yeah. of thing. That oh, that that's yeah. that's definitely there. That's definitely there for me. But I think that's, uh, that's one of the things that makes them the definitive band is because, like every great band, is always must be the more than some of its parts. Like you know, by right. kind of some kind of cosmic law. And the Beatles is they're they're the they're the they're the archetype of that. And I mean, and that's another thing about like when you watch the get it get back, and and the thing where it's just like. Um, you know, when you mention in passing, people want to be haters sometimes. And it's like everyone's entitled to their opinion. But like, look, this this these fuckers invented being a rock band and that you can't get around that. Like, um, you know, that's interesting because there were people who would push back on that. They would say, oh, you know, there were rock bands before the Beatles. Uh, but what they really to me, what they really did was they invented a self-contained unit where the songwriting was all there within the band and and the band did everything i well, mean that's, previously that's I yeah right? yeah because let's make it like if make a distinction because when i say rock band i do not mean a rock and roll band right like a rock band in that sense of like how rock became art and it became very important who was in the band right absolutely 
I, I will uh, agree with that wholeheartedly. So yeah, but 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 what's interesting is as soon as you start expressing this idea on social media, and a lot of people did. A lot of people after this thing dropped on Thanksgiving, they went on Facebook and other places and they praised the documentary and they talked about favorite moments and they 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 enjoyed it publicly and how dare they. And then the next thing you know, there was all the Beatle bashers coming out and telling you why uh, your tastes are pedestrian and why the band is overrated and why uh, they're not as good as XYZ band, who was also there at the same time, but got no notice whatsoever because the Beatles got all the notice and, then, and explain to you why basically you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. T- and I, I, I just couldn't believe that like this one thing I was taking comfort and joy in that some pricks would come along and be like, yeah, eh, who gives a shit? Come on, man. Aren't we done talking about the Beatles already? Can't we ever be done with this? Talking about them? Like, it depends on, like, what uh, wave, like, you know, kind of what age bracket social media kind of people you're talking about. Because while I also find that, you know, Beatle naysaying, you know, raining on the parade, um, unnecessary. But, like, say if you're someone that's, like, in your early 30s and this is just another giant fucking thing that comes out of Disney that the entire world is telling you this is the new epic thing that everyone will consume and you will like it. Like, I mean, so, so the devil's advocate is like, if, you know, if you're coming from a different perspective, it just can seem like it's something that's overwhelmingly being, you know, I'm going to um, do a Beatles pushback I, on that. Cause I met some young people over Thanksgiving meal in their twenties yes. who didn't care that it was on Disney, wanted to see it, wanted to see what it was all about. What I'm talking yeah. about is more along the lines of just snobbery, not, you know, just this snobbery that has always existed around the Beatles. This, they, there are a fair number of snobs who are very dismissive of them. And again, they got too much attention. Other people should have gotten the attention. You don't have good taste because you don't know about all of the influences uh, where the Beatles got all their stuff from, and you should really be listening to those artists and not them. That kind Maybe of weird thing. That, you, that might be from those, like, uh, you might be talking about those, like, uh, Talmudic scholars of WFMU or something. Because they, all I, I'm saying is, like, I, I, haven't, I haven't come across, like, a, a lot of people that came, you know, that were arguing the Beatles aren't that good from a place of snobbery. Some people will say they don't like them because they think they're corny, but right. they will always end up admitting to liking you know, revolution. Yeah. Corny. That's good. That's a good word. Corny. Cause they're corny. Well, people that say that they don't like it, that's usually what they say. They don't like about it in my little, you know, you know no, I'm in agreement with you there. Keith Hartel is our guest for this Christmas and hell edition of aerial view back live after, I don't know how long, man, October was the last live show I did with WRL Brown. We talked about uh, that tragedy on the set of that Alec Baldwin film. Oh yeah. man! Yeah, oh man, boy! I wish we did. I would love to talk about that for an hour. Well, next time you're on, we should talk about that because there, maybe there'll be some updates and what's happening. Because uh, you know he he's gonna be he's in, uh, this is not gonna go well for him. Is my prediction? Uh, well, and... see, that's the thing is I've been like on YouTube. There's just like a couple different like YouTube channels that basically. Just tell some kind of details about either of his story, like every single day, and 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 all this weird shit. But you know that he just dropped like another Instagram video where he's saying like, you know, my family, my wife, that's really all I count on is their love. And you know, I appreciate everyone that's helped me get through these tough times. These are really tough. Like he's he's psychotically about himself in a, in, a, in a way that seems like there's a real like a disconnect, mental disconnect. He, he made pains to say during his sit-down with George Stephanopoulos that uh, I am not the victim here. There is an actual victim here. Well, see, that, well that's and... the funny thing, though, because does, now wouldn't you say that if, a normal, if you're a normal person and you shoot someone by accident, that I am not the victim goes without saying, like, <laughs> I would, like, I would just be like, oh, no one's, because he knew he was about to make people feel sorry for him, like, I don't know. I like I said um, that interview. I think that interview was a, like I think that's a Prince Andrew fucking talking about Jeffrey Epstein caliber like bad idea interview. Well, as 
I love what they said in the New York Post, by the way. Alec Baldwin blames the victim in sickening interview. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That was. What was so funny was because um, the night that happened, um, Helena was, Hutchins I, was the woman's Thursday, name, by the way. Thursday night, because um, like when me, me and Tammy had the, the gig at the, the residency of Pangea, so we came home from the gig. You know, we're just get, getting in, taking off. You know, getting into our uh, house clothes, and then. And Tammy's just like, Alec Baldwin shot someone to death. It's like a crazy, such a crazy thing. To and do. you were like, uh, did you do a complete double take? You're like, what? <laughs> what? That's what I did. I think it was, it was the same yeah. thing in our house. I think it was Sweet Tea who uh, said it. And I was like, what? He what? What happened? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. He's uh, he, either he's going to go to jail. Or he's going to have to fork over a lot of money. It may be both. I'm just saying. But we we we've I mean, yeah. we've got about three minutes left in the show, so let's wrap up the get back conversation and come to some kind of point because there was a few things oh, yeah. I want to point out. One of them was, you know, when you finally get to the third episode and the rooftop, they go up to the rooftop to perform. After it was Ringo that really cinched that because Ringo was. All Ringo had to say was when they said, "Do you you don't really want to go on the roof, do you?" Oh yeah. And yeah, Ringo yeah. was like, "Yeah, I want to go on the roof," and that was it. Suddenly, everybody was on the roof. I mean, Ringo maybe because he was the oldest, he swung a lot of weight, and and the Beatles said, Paul McCartney said, I don't know what John Lennon or George Harrison had to say about him. They said it was when Ringo joined that they became a real band. That's when they became a real band. Fuck you, Pepes. Sorry. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so you know, Ringo threw a lot of weight. Ringo got it got him on the roof. But what I noticed while watching it, it was really just uh, a lot of Hamburg coming out. You know, a lot of what you probably yeah. would have gotten from their Hamburg show and how they loved being in front of people and performing, you know, and especially if the people were about uh, 80 feet below them down on the street. You know, that was yeah. maybe what the Beatles should have done is just built an 80 foot high stage and they could have kept touring after 1966. Who knows? Um, but that was one of the things that occurred to me is that like they're a live band. They like being live. This is very comforting for them. Very cool for them. And uh, just the joy that went back and forth on their faces while they were doing that and finally yeah. getting around to playing was really the payoff, just a massive payoff of this thing, to see that. And uh, to see it from every goddamn angle. I mean, Peter Jackson really cut that sucker together, is all I'm going to say on that thing. Oh, and uh, any other observations before we run out of time in two minutes here? Well, I mean, yeah. My, well, in summary, it's just like, it's, it's as, as a product, uh, when... Did anyone ever deliver something that was so much exactly what we want? Like, so thoroughly, just knock it out of the park. Like, there's exactly what I want. There's plenty of it. Thank you, sir. There you go. Well, there's 52 hours more of it, and maybe someday that'll all come out on a DVD box set. Who knows? After Paul dies, there's going to be, like, the new... It'll be a new edit where Paul is, like, fucking, like, evil. Oh, I'm looking something to look forward to. Finally, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Keith Hartel, for joining me. Next time, we'll talk about Alec Baldwin for an hour. How's that work for you? Yeah, all right. I can't wait. I got to go. And uh, I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Happy New Year. Hope that 2022 is better than 2021 because, frankly, it couldn't be worse. 3 p.m. Sundays, Hound Howl. 5 p.m. Crash the Party with Mark and Miriam do up Chop Shop of the Air. This show replays on Tuesdays. It's available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Stop.